Hello and welcome to season one of Romance with Heart and Heat, your podcast and YouTube show for contemporary rom-com audiobook serials. My name is Marie Matthew and I'm the author of the stories you're going to hear on this channel. The title of season one is The Bad Girl List and this is a fake dating second chance rom-com set in California wine country. Find out how one life-changing vacation list puts the heart of Dominique Chen on the line when she meets sexy wine grower Trevor Moretti. The content of this channel is intended for audience members that are 18 years and older. There is some explicit content on this channel. There is light swearing and there are some explicit spicy scenes. So I don't want any surprises as people move into the story so you have been warned. Be sure to stick around at the end of each episode for author commentary. And if you have any questions or comments, you can drop them into the comments section in YouTube, or you can also send me an email at romancingmarie at gmail.com. I'll do my best to answer questions and comments in future episodes on the show. Please like and subscribe to my channel on your favorite platform, whatever that happens to be. And please help me spread the word and share the show with your friends. Now, as you're listening along, if you get to the point where the tension's too much and you just can't wait to find out what happens next, you can head over to mariematthew.com and you can purchase the complete season of The Bad Girl List over on my website. It's available in ebook format, audiobook format, and there's also autographed hardbacks and paperbacks. So you will get the entire season for free on YouTube and the podcast. But again, if you just can't wait, head over to mariematthew.com. Thanks so much for listening. And now it's time for some romance with heart and heat. I hope you enjoy. Chapter 30. Shots. Dominique. I feel Thomas's eyes on me again. I meet his gaze and give him a flat stare. Why do you keep looking at me? No reason. He gives me a half-hearted smile, then returns his attention to his phone. If I wasn't so drunk, I might try to analyze his actions, but I'm three tequila shots past caring. What do you say? Kevin has his hand on me again, his sweaty palm gripping my curve. You want to have a really good time tonight? No strings attached. It would be so easy to say yes. But as I study Kevin's handsome face considering his proposal, I realize I don't want to. Come on sexy, Kevin purrs, moving in close enough that I can feel his breath against my neck. I promise I'll make it good for you. I'll lick you anywhere you want. His close proximity means he can't see my eye roll. How many times a month does he use that line on women? I still have three days of vacation. I will sleep with someone before I go home, but not tonight. My heart isn't in it tonight. I find myself again wishing Trevor was here that he'd magically appear to shove Kevin out of the way and take his place next to me at the bar. But Trevor isn't here. Trevor is still in love with Elle. Trevor Moretti isn't going to rescue me from this situation. I'm the only one who can do that. I turn to look at Kevin, about to tell him no. Then something happens. His skin changes color, becoming flushed but not in a good way. His throat jumps. He takes a step back from me, hand flying to his mouth. Kevin, are you okay? I ask. He tries to say something and makes a choking sound, then he turns and rushes for the door. I take a few steps after him, to be sure he's okay. Then I spot him hanging over the porch railing, puking his guts out. Oh shit, Annika says, coming to stand beside me. We stand frozen, watching as Kevin pukes up what must have been every last drop of alcohol he's consumed in the past few hours. I should see if Kevin needs anything. At the very least, I should get him a bottle of water. I should help him, the way Trevor helped me when I threw up. But I don't. This may not be Trevor showing up to whisk me out of Kevin's arms the way I had been daydreaming about, but I know an opening when I see one. I turn on my heel and hurry back to the bar, leaving Kevin to deal with the nausea on his own. 
Thomas's expression is oddly smug. Kevin never could hold his tequila, he says, taking a sip of his martini. Fucking pussy. I'll call him an Uber. Hey guys, I'm taking a short break from today's story to tell you about a brand new wine and romance short story that I just finished up. And the story is called Wedding Ditchers. Wedding Ditchers is the wedding story of Dominique and Trevor. So because this is a romance channel dedicated to happily ever afters, I don't think it's a spoiler to let you know that Dom and Trevor, yes, they are going to end up together. They are going to have their happily ever after. It's just gonna take a few more episodes to get there. <laughs> but I did write this short story all about their wedding day and it's super cute, it's super funny, it's also sexy, of course and you can get it for free over on my website. So head on over to mariematthew.com, click the free book button in the upper right-hand corner when you get to the homepage, and you can sign up for my author newsletter. And when you do that, this free short story is gonna be delivered right to your inbox. We have both the audiobook and the ebook, so you're gonna get links to download both. And of course, that also gives you access to my author newsletter. My newsletter is a really great way to keep in touch with me. I'm not super active on social media, except for the podcast and the YouTube show. So this is a really great way to just keep in touch with my latest projects, the um, behind the scenes stuff that's happening. So be sure to head over to my website, click the free book button in the upper right hand corner and get your free copy of Wedding Ditchers, the wedding story of Dominique and Trevor in the bad girl list. Thanks a lot. Chapter 31. Ambush. Dominique. My hangover the next day is almost as bad as the one I had on my first day of vacation. The only thing that saved me was switching to water once Kevin left. I lean over to Annika, who sits beside me in the back seat of our family minivan. Can we stay in tonight and watch movies? She snickers. You mean you don't want to call Kevin and ask for a do-over? I make a face and shake my head. I bet he's good in bed, Annika says. You should give him a second chance if he texts you. Maybe, I say. Kevin had texted me last night. A lot. So far, I hadn't responded. In front of us, the aunties are talking about the movie they went to see last night, a romantic comedy. Auntie Helen had figured out that Wednesday was locals' night at the movies, which meant tickets were matinee price all day. From their laughter, I can tell they had a nice time. Now, we're on our way to an open space for a hike and a picnic lunch. I'm looking forward to some time outdoors. My sketchbook and pencils are ready. As my mom parks the car in the parking lot, my phone buzzes with an unlisted number. I answer as my family piles out of the van. Hello? Hi, is this Dominique Chen? The voice on the other line is deep and somehow familiar, but I can't quite place it. This is her. This is Tim Moretti. I pull my phone away from my ear, my finger hovering over the end call button. Why the hell is Tim Moretti calling me? Would he believe we were disconnected if I just hang up? Dom, are you there? Not in the mood for Presidio drama, I almost hang up on him. Then I hear him say, you remember me, right? Trevor's dad? So this call is about Trevor? God I knew the fake date was going to come back and bite me in the ass. I glance over my shoulder as my family grabs backpacks and puts on sunscreen, wondering how much time I have before one of them comes to get me. I need to put an end to this. It might screw things up for Trevor, but as far as I'm concerned, our deal is off. Except for last night's skinny dipping disaster, he hasn't done a thing to hold up his end of our agreement. Which means I don't have to pretend to be his girlfriend anymore. Hold on a second. I get out of the van and go around to the front, keeping my voice low so no one will overhear me. Tim, I'm not sure if you know this, but Trevor and I aren't seeing each other anymore. It was never very serious anyway. There. It's done. The lie Trevor and I cooked up has officially been erased. 
Silence on the other end of the phone. Did he hang up on me? Tim? I'm here, Dom. I have something I'd like to talk to you about in person. Are you free for lunch? I'm in town. I can swing by and pick you up. Why the hell does he want to have lunch with me? I'm actually out with my family right now. We're about to go on a hike and have a picnic at Parkland Open Space. Great, I'm only five minutes away. I'll pick you up. Are you at the park entrance? No, Tim, I can't go to lunch. I'm on vacation with my family. I promise it will be worth your while. I'm sorry, but I can't. I might have a lead on a job for you. That shuts me up. A job? Why does he think I'm looking for a job? Had Trevor told him I'd been fired? It took seven emails and two phone calls before Sophia told me you aren't with Presidio anymore, Tim says. What? I glance around the van to be sure my family is still busy applying sunscreen. I wasn't trying to pry, Dom, but I was rather insistent that you take over the redesign project. Sophia told me you left Presidio last week. I struggled to find something to say. Did Sophia tell him I left voluntarily, or did she tell him I was fired? I guess it doesn't really matter. Tim is too polite to call out the fact that I lied when I was at their house on Sunday. Mom calls around the back of the car to me. Dom, are you ready, honey? What do you say, Dom? Tim asks. Can I pick you up for lunch and talk to you about a job opportunity? A job? A legit job. And Tim likes my work, so whatever he has in mind might just be a good fit. I can't pass this up. I'll wait for you at the front of the park, I say, cupping my hands over the receiver. Thanks. I hang up, put on my best pained expression, then walk around the car. Here's the sunscreen. Mom holds out the tube out to me. Seeing my face, she says, are you okay? I don't think I can go hiking. I hunch over my stomach and push my fingers into my abdomen. I have really bad cramps. I have some Tylenol, Mom says, digging into her fanny pack. No, Mom, I think I just need to lie down. My head is starting to hurt. I already called an Uber. You guys go ahead. What's going on? Annika pokes her head over Mom's shoulder. I have bad period cramps. Annika studies me through narrowed eyes, then nods. Ah shit, sorry to hear that. I know they were bothering you last night. I was hoping you would feel better today. I love my cousin. They're worse actually, I say. I had to call an Uber. I don't want to mess with the plans though. You guys go without me. As the lie comes out of my mouth, I realize this just might count for number four on the list, sneaking out. I might not be crawling out the window, but I am sneaking away from my family to do something I don't want them to know about. It takes me another few minutes to convince my family to go without me. Annika mouths text me before disappearing around a wall of trees onto the hiking trail. I shuffle toward the front of the park where I'm meeting my supposed Uber driver, staying slightly hunched over in case any of my family pops back out from the trail and spots me. Tim Moretti is parked just outside the entrance in a black Tesla. Does everyone in the family have a Tesla besides Trevor? Dominique. Tim pushes open the passenger side door for me. Nice to see you. Hop in. I pause before getting into the car, wondering if this is a bad idea. Should I really get into a car with a man I barely know? Where are we going? I ask. There's a taco truck out by Zeke's. You know where Zeke's is, right? Trevor mentioned you guys had drinks there one night. Yeah, hold on, just let me tell my cousin. I send Annika a quick text to tell her where I'm going and who I'm with, then hop in the car. Tim keeps the windows rolled down as we head out of town. His car is spotless on the inside. It smells like it's just been cleaned. He keeps up a constant stream of small talk as we ride. He asks how my family is doing, how I'm enjoying my vacation and which wineries I've been to. We even laugh about my family going to the casino with Gramps Moretti and the old-timers. He finds lots of ways to slip in comments about Trevor. That's where Trevor went to junior high. That's the dirt lot where Trevor used to ride dirt bikes with his friends. That was the street corner where Trevor found his first homeless animal, a cat, and insisted on bringing her back to the winery. I play along, answering his questions and making appropriate sounds of interest when he talks about Trevor. All the while wondering where the hell this is all going and if this is really about a job. 
He never once asks me about my work experience or education. It seems more like an extended, albeit offbeat, resume of his son. We finally pull into a gravel parking lot with a taco truck. About a half mile away I spot Zeke's. The vineyards of Dry Creek Valley lay spread around us. This place is a staple for all the wineries and vineyards around here, Tim says. The owners have been coming to this little spot in the road for over 20 years. He switches off the car and turns to face me. Dom, I'll cut to the chase. When I found out you weren't with Presidio anymore, I was really disappointed. I'm sorry I didn't tell you at dinner the other night, I say. I haven't told my family yet. From the way you're talking, is it safe to say leaving wasn't your idea? Tim asks. I decide to lay it all out. What have I got to lose? When the Moretti design brief came in, I was assigned to the team. Every design I did was shot down by Sophia. She never likes anything that's unconventional. In the 11th hour, I pulled her approved designs and swapped them out for the ones you saw. And she fired you for it? I nod. When I landed my job at Presidio right out of Berkeley, my family was really, really proud. My mom announced it to everyone on the monthly family Zoom call. My aunt researched design firms all over California to help me find a good company. Everyone was worried when I said I wanted to major in art, but they came together and helped me make sure I could earn a living. Sounds like your family looks out for you. Yeah. I smile. They do. I'll tell them after our trip, but I didn't want to spoil our vacation. They probably would have rearranged the schedule to help me comb Craigslist and increase my connections on LinkedIn. I can appreciate your predicament, Tim says. Even at my age, I worry about disappointing my father. Gramps? Yes. He plays a mean game of cards, and back in the day he was a shrewd businessman. Taught me everything I know. One of the things he taught me was to think outside the box. That's what I liked about your designs. They were the only ones that were truly unique. That's why I wanted you to see them. I turn in my seat to face him. I sat in on your intake interview. When you were talking, I kept thinking you weren't a guy who just wanted to see a rehash of what's been done before. That's why I went bold with the colors. You have good instincts. I like that. That's why I want to hire you as an independent consultant to redesign the labels for our entire portfolio. You would be working with my wife on the project. Once we finish the labels, the new look will need to roll out to all of our marketing collateral. I have enough work to keep you busy for at least six months. I sit there, stunned speechless. This is a huge opportunity, and Tim knows it. Is he really serious? What about Presidio? I ask. Tim purses his lips. They failed to deliver on my vision. And they fired the only employee who seemed to understand the future direction of our winery. I spoke directly to the CEO. I won't be receiving an invoice from them. I will pay you what I would have paid them. A rush of excitement goes through me. I've secretly always dreamed of striking out on my own, of running my own design business. But the prospect of starting from scratch with no clients and no money always felt too big, too scary. I don't know exactly what Presidio charges clients, but I know it's enough to start my business. The kind of money Tim is talking about will set me up for the next six months. And once I have the work for his winery under my belt, I'll be able to approach other wineries about work. Tim might even recommend me to other people he knows in the business. This is the opportunity of a lifetime, Tim, I say. I'm flattered. But what about Trevor? My son spends all his days with his dog in the vineyards. We might need to bring him in for feedback, but the work won't put you in one another's path very often. Can you live with that? I don't have any problem with Trevor, I say quickly. He's a great guy. Tim Moretti looks at me. I squirm, realizing I may have said too much. He told me about Elle, I say. Did he? Tim's eyebrows climb. He usually doesn't talk about her. He's still in love with her, I say. That's why we stopped seeing each other. I can tell you're an honest person, Tim says. I like that about you. But if your short history with my son doesn't bother you, it doesn't bother me. Will you take the job? Yes. I'm pretty sure my smile might stretch all the way to New York. Yes, I would love to work for you. Fantastic. Tim holds out his hand and we shake. 
I'm old school Dom, I make deals with handshakes and I keep my promises. I'll have my wife outline the details in writing and send them to you along with the payment figures. Now how about some lunch? I highly recommend their carnitas super burrito. That's what I'm getting. It's Trevor's favorite. I'll have one of those too please. Great he says. I'll order and be right back. As soon as he heads to the taco truck, I let out a squeal of delight and do a happy dance right there in the Tesla passenger seat. Then I grab my phone and text Annika. I got a job. We'll text more later. Her response comes immediately. WTF? Need details now. Later. If you get home before I do, cover for me. You suck, she types back. You're also missing out on an awesome view. This last statement is followed by a view from a hilltop that overlooks a sweeping vista of vineyards and a gleaming river. I quickly put my phone away as I see Tim heading back in my direction. Here we go. Tim slides back into the car. The scent of the burritos instantly fills the small space. Would you mind driving up to the winery with me to eat? There's a view of the Dry Creek Valley at the back of our property that is to die for. I would love for you to see it. I think it will inspire you. We can eat lunch up there while you soak in the sights. Sounds great, I say. Can you tell me which parts of my designs you liked and what your ideas are for revisions? We chat as he drives back in the direction of the winery. Now that everything is out in the open, why I lost my job and the truth of why Trevor and I aren't speaking anymore, I'm much more relaxed. And since we're talking about art and design, I'm even excited. I notice when Trevor's bungalow comes into view as we drive through the dirt road of the winery. I have a brief moment of panic, thinking Tim might have a plot up his sleeve to make us talk, but Trevor's truck isn't there and Tim drives by without slowing. Dust spews into the air as Tim rolls deeper into the vineyards. Zinfandel is on the left, he says. Chardonnay is on the right. I'm taking you up to our cab block on the plateau. The road angles upward. The vineyards end, giving way to Oak Bay and Manzanita trees. We round a corner and the road becomes even steeper. Don't worry, the Tesla can handle it, Tim says. There are vineyards way up here, I ask. Yep. Once we get to the top, you'll see. The soil is much rockier. The vines are in a constant state of distress, which causes them to produce highly concentrated fruit. It's where our award-winning cab comes from. I can't wait to see it. I soak in the scenery, my mind already churning with design ideas. As soon as we stop, I plan to start drawing. A few minutes later, the trees fall away. The Tesla pulls up onto a high plateau covered with vineyards. I see the difference, I exclaim. While the vines at the lower elevations were tall and lush, these vines are short and gnarled. The leaves are smaller and farther interspersed on the vines. You're saying the grapes up here make better wine than the grapes down below? That's exactly what I'm saying. Tim switches off the car on the edge of the vineyard. Come on, let's take a walk. There are some picnic benches just past those trees. I get out of the car. Tim leads me away from the vineyard, heading for the overlook. The plastic bag with our burritos swings from one hand. The view from up here is breathtaking, Tim says. My wife wanted to build another event center back here, but my dad wants to keep this area just for the family. We pass under a cluster of pine trees that have been pruned to create a tall canopy. Outdoor lights crisscross above half a dozen picnic tables. And there, standing next to one of the tables with dirt up to his elbows and sweat curling the ends of his hair, is Trevor. I grind to a halt, all the moisture abruptly sucked from my mouth. I stare at him. He stares back, mouth hanging open in obvious surprise. He's so gorgeous in his rumpled dirt smudged button-down and dented cowboy hat that it makes my eyes hurt. The sight of him sends hot embarrassment all the way down to my toes. Even though I'd been hurt by the fallout of our tryst in the woods, I hadn't anticipated how it might feel to lock eyes with him again. The encounter has me feeling equal parts embarrassed and angry. There's a solid 10 yards between us but the tension is so taut I'm pretty sure Tim can feel it. Tequila comes hopping around the picnic table. She alternates between growling at Tim and yapping at me with excitement. She hops in a circle around my legs, her tongue hanging out. I have never been so happy to see an animal in my entire life. 
I bend down to pet her, glad to have something besides Trevor to focus on. She leans into me when I bend down, her dark eyebrows flattening out as she closes her eyes in contentment. Tim Moretti doesn't miss a beat. Trevor. When he smiles, I have a feeling this is his special smile, the one reserved for those big deals he lands when he's selling wine. I didn't realize you'd be up here today. Tequila barks at him, the first standing up along her back, but she doesn't stir from my side. You knew I was going to be up here, Trevor said flatly. When you texted me last night to ask me what I was doing today, I told you I was working on the horn compost. He says all this without looking at me. My anger heats up another few notches. There is no doubt in my mind that Tim set all this up. He used my unemployment as a lure and for a reason I can't fathom, brought me out here to see his son. Do I even have a job with his winery? I just remembered that I have to get back home, I say. My family will be back from their hike soon. Tim just smiles, like he's oblivious to our discomfort, even though I'm positive that whatever is radiating between me and Trevor right now is getting picked up on the Richter scales in San Francisco. I just hired Dom to finish up our label redesign, Tim says. You did what? Trevor's reaction makes something inside me shrivel. I should be relieved to know Tim wasn't lying about the job opportunity, but I feel like I'm back in the woods outside Skyview Villa, still naked and exposed like I had been when Trevor leapt away from me as though I'd stung him. It hurts more than it should. I deal with it by petting tequila with both hands. Her slobbery dog kisses do nothing to dispel my desire to disappear into the ground. Since Dom is no longer with Presidio, I hired her to work directly with us on the label redesign, Tim says. I wanted her to get a little inspiration from our vineyards. Why don't you show her what you're working on? I really have to get going. I straighten wiping tequila's dog slobber on my shorts. My family is waiting for me. Just come on over here, Tim says. My son doesn't bite. His son does in fact bite. I swallow as a rush of heat pools between my legs at the memory of Trevor's mouth on my breasts. What the hell is wrong with me? I should not be this turned on by a guy who treated me like shit twice. Come on Dom, I think you'll find this really interesting. Ignoring the growling dog, Tim takes me by the arm and drags me toward the picnic bench. Tequila hops after us, barking. The ten yards between me and Trevor shrinks under Tim's insistence. Five yards. Three. One. And then I'm standing beside the table, trying to figure out what I'm looking at. On the table is a giant pile of, are those cow horns, I say at last. I can't figure out what else the giant stack of brownish-white horn-shaped things on the picnic table might be. Tequila hops up on the bench to stand beside me, still barking at Tim even as she leans up against my leg. You know, Tim says, that crazy dog doesn't like anyone. Not me, not my wife, not anyone, and our family is what I consider an animal family. We've always had dogs and cats. He gives my shoulder a friendly pat. It's rather remarkable how tequila has taken to you. Don't you think it's remarkable, Trev? Remarkable. Trevor pulls the brim of his hat down so that his eyes are concealed. It takes a special person to connect with the heart of an animal who's been abused, Tim continues. I'd hazard to say it speaks a lot about a person's character. What does it say about you then, Trevor shoots back. I picked up some food from the taco truck. Tim ignores Trevor's rancor and sets the plastic bag with our burritos on the table. Why don't you tell Dom about the horn manure? To me, he says, horn manure is a type of compost. It's one of the cornerstones of biodynamic farming. It takes six months to make. We are one of only a few wineries that utilize this type of farming practice in the state of California. Six months to make compost? Despite the awkwardness of this situation, I'm a little intrigued. Are those really cow horns? I pick one up and turn it over. Careful. Trevor takes it out of my hand. I haven't emptied it yet. There are ten times more microorganisms in this horn than you'd find in a regular pile of compost. It's like compost on steroids. He turns the horn so I can see the brownish substance packed inside. We make this once a year every fall. 
He picks up a long piece of wire from the table and sticks it into the horn. Standing over a five-gallon bucket, he digs out a brown, clumpy substance from inside the horn and lets it fall into the bucket. We only buy horns that have been naturally shed by female cows when they're lactating, Trevor says. See these rings on the bottom of the horn? There's one ring for each time a heifer gives birth. Now that the manure has been emptied out, he hands the horn back to me. I turn it over and study it, running my fingers over the birth rings on the bottom of the horn. A sketch is already half-formed in my mind. If I wasn't upset about being thrown in front of Trevor like a sacrificial lamb, I might have appreciated the inspiration. Focus, I tell myself, this is for the new job. Don't let yourself get derailed by Trevor. Why lactating cows, I ask, because lactating cows give life. Trevor picks up another horn and works the compost free with the wire. The life-giving energy in the horns is transferred from the cow into the compost. It's part of why it's so potent. I dart a quick look at his face. The hat still conceals his eyes, but there's something about the way he handles the cow horn that seems almost reverent. It's more arresting than it should be. Even Tequila has stopped barking, her eyebrows moving back and forth on her head as she watches Trevor dig out the horn manure. Thankfully, she's still leaning on my leg. Right now, this dog is officially my best friend. So, I say, trying to dispel the silence that is so awkward it's making me itch. You only make this once a year? Trevor shrugs, as though to say he's indifferent on the subject. Every fall around the equinox, we fill the horns with fresh cow manure, then bury the horns in the vineyard for six months over winter. Winter is the time of year the earth is the most active, which supercharges the manure. In the spring, we dig up the horns and harvest the manure inside. To illustrate his point, he extracts another chunk of manure. Right as he does this, a sound reaches my ears. I don't hear an engine because Teslas don't make much noise, but I do hear the sound of tires crunching on rocky soil. A second later, a plume of dust spurts into the air. A sick dread knots my stomach as I realize Tim is gone. The plastic bag with the burritos is still sitting on the picnic table. Tim? Not caring that I look completely desperate, I run through the clearing, dodging around trees. Tequila hops after me, yapping loudly. Tim? I burst out of the trees just in time to see the taillights of the black Tesla disappear around the corner. Tim? I cut my hands around my mouth and shriek his name. Tim, wait. Hello, everyone, and cheers. Welcome to the author commentary portion of episode 11 on The Marie Matthew Show. So glad you guys are here. Thank you for joining me. Today, I am drinking a delicious little wine. The winery is called Villa Stellaria. I might be butchering that name. For as long as I've lived in Healdsburg in Sonoma County and for as much Sonoma County wine as I have consumed, I've never heard of this brand before. And I've mentioned before that my husband is a school teacher and he often gets really nice wine <laughs> from the parents of his students. So this, it showed up at our house. And I was like, ooh, I'm gonna taste it on the show and see what it's all about. And it is, it's really good. It's a 2020 Zinfandel and the appellation is Dry Creek Valley. Dry Creek Valley is where the bad girl list takes place and Zinfandel is the wine that the Moretti family winery is known for. So it's fitting that I'm drinking some Zinfandel. It has classic Zinfandel characteristics. It's got really um, like dark dried fruit. It's got great flavors of raisin, like dark dried cherries, a little bit of earthiness, not too much. But overall, like just super smooth, super tasty. And I, I definitely am gonna have, this is a small glass. I'm gonna have a big glass after work <laughs> today. It's really delicious. Definitely check them out. I have the link to the winery in the show notes. What's interesting is they don't appear to have a tasting room. There's a phenomenon in the wine industry known as virtual wineries. So it's wineries that maybe can't afford a brick and mortar building, but they, they still make wine. I'm guessing this is probably what this winery is. It was interesting on their website, they say that what they specialize in 
is exceptional wines at, at a great price of $60 or less. And I'm like, $60 a bottle? I mean, there's a reason I shop at the grocery outlet, right? <laughs> I, I don't buy $60 bottles of wine. I will drink $60 bottles of wine, but I won't buy them. But this wine on the website was only 36. For me personally, that would be like the high end of what I'd spend. Yeah, I don't like to spend a ton of money on alcohol. I prefer to get it for free <laughs> or go to the grocery outlet. Um, so they are, they are kind of a higher price point, um, but definitely worth I don't know, check it out, check out the website, see what you think. Today, I'm gonna to talk a little bit about vineyards. And I'm not a vineyard expert, but I've been in the wine industry long enough that I know a little bit, I know enough. <laughs> I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I started my wine career in the restaurant industry. I actually worked at a restaurant called Zin, short for Zinfandel. And that's pretty much all they sold on the on the wine list. So I learned so much about Zinfandel. I worked in restaurants in wine country, I think for about three years, three or five, I'm not exactly sure. And then of course I've been uh, on the corporate end of the wine business for about 18 years. So when I was writing this scene where Trevor's dad kind of kidnaps Dom, <laughs> Maybe not 100% kidnaps her, but tricks her into his car with this promise of a job. His intent really is to try and get his son to like get his head out of his ass and like make a move. And so I talk about them driving to a higher elevation where the grapevines look really different than they do on the valley floor. And let's see, when I was working in the restaurants, so ooh, maybe 20 years ago, I had the opportunity to go to a Napa Valley vineyard that was like on top of this mountain. And like you had to drive and drive and drive up this like pitted dirt road to the top of the mountain. I wish I could remember the name of it. It was so long ago, I don't remember what, where it was. All I know was that it was in Napa Valley, but the grapevines were like the most pathetic things you've ever seen. <laughs> They're at the top of this mountain and like, they're just like abused. They're just abused. Like the soil sucks. Like it's always dry. It's always rocky. And these poor plants have to work so hard to like do their thing. What's really interesting is that because they have to work so hard and when their berries come out or their grapes, they're like super small and the juice inside them is like so concentrated and like amazing. So by stressing the vines, you actually get a really intense, concentrated, amazing wine out of it. And I've never forgotten that experience just because the vines were so sad looking, like shriveled and short, their leaves are like pathetic, like kind of sad. <laughs> Whereas if you drive through a place like Dry Creek Valley on the valley floor, the vines are like spectacular. They're so happy. It's like big green leaves and like long tendrils and like they're wild. And you know, everybody wants to stop and get a picture with the beautiful vines. And let me tell you, nobody wants a picture of the old vines on top of the mountain because they're so sad looking, <laughs> but their wine is so good. So I've, I've never forgotten that experience. When I was writing this scene, I'm like, oh, I, I think I'm gonna just throw that in there like for fun. You know, so they're going up to this plateau and, and they're in the part of the vineyard where the soil is much more challenging for the grapes. And so this is where, you know, the award-winning Old Vines Infidel comes from, is from this particular area in the fictional Moretti winery. So that was the inspiration of that. And I just thought it it's kind of a fun, fun fact about vineyards and wines. And I just thought it would be fun to share it with you. So that's all I have for you today. This is a short and sweet episode. I'd love to know, what do you think's gonna happen next? Like, do you think Trevor's gonna blow it? <laughs> Even with his dad's help, do you think he's gonna overcome and like take the next step with Dom or is he gonna screw it up again? I'm dying to know what you think. 
You can leave a comment in the YouTube section, or of course you can email me at romancingmarie at gmail.com. And please, please, please sign up for my author newsletter and get a free copy of Dom and Trevor's wedding story. It's a short story called Wedding Ditchers. Head over to my website, click on the free book button, and you will get the link for the ebook and the audiobook delivered instantly to your inbox. So I hope to see you there. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye.